Welcome back to In My Feels. I am J.R.E. I'm Emily. One of my favorite uh, journalists who is all the way from India. Mm-hmm. And who might that be, Emily? Riddhi Chakraborty. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was just testing you if you remember the name. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> of course. She actually mentions one of her first um, interactions within K-pop officially was with G-Dragon and yes. um funny enough actually not funny enough i guess it has no relation to g-dragon but um she just did an exclusive interview with uh, bts yeah. um about a week and a half two weeks ago obviously surrounding the dynamite what's the word the dynamite release there we go yeah. Sur- surrounding the dynamite release she talks about it a little bit but i don't think the last time she did an interview with them was the first time she did one with them uh, hopefully i'm not yeah. saying that incorrectly um, and I think believe she just wrote a piece on CL um, as did. well. Um, I don't know if she interviewed her, but she certainly. I think it was a piece. Uh, I, I don't know, but she definitely uh, released one when she just released her post up video that just came out recently, which I'm pretty excited about. You know, it's been a it's been a while since I heard uh, CL, so she's coming in strong, and that's just the intro. Kind of oh, this is an intro to an album. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. it says that. Happy to get into mm-hmm. some subjects, especially about um, K-pop in India and um, just concerts sure. in India in general and breaking into that market. It's Pretty not that easy. Nope, it's not. Just to let you guys know, we still have two weeks left on that Hwasa Maria album. We will be announcing the winner on yeah. September 26th. 28th September 28th is when we we will be announcing the winner for the Maria Hwasa Hwasa Maria album I keep saying it backwards for some reason Hwasa Maria album we'll be announcing that on the 28th it's only for premium followers so um, you can go listen to the previous episodes to learn how to enter Um, and we're just going to get right to it in this episode with our interview with Riddhi Chakraborty Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In My Feels. We are continuing this lovely roundtable series that we've been doing with a number of people within K-pop. And we have a very special guest coming all the way from India as a journalist there for Rolling Stone India. Please welcome Riddhi Chakraborty. Thank thank you you. so much for having me. Really a pleasure to be here. Thank you for for coming. Can you please introduce yourself to people who might not be familiar with you? Okay, uh, my name is Riddhi and I write for Rolling Stone India. So I cover a lot of K-pop mostly, that's what I do. But I also uh, talk to international pop artists and Indian artists, Indian pop culture figures, actors. Nice. So yeah, so yeah, that's a sum up of what I do at Rolling Stone. Wait, did you, have you ever interviewed uh, Priyanka Chopra? No, but I... Kind of saw her once from a distance, and I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" She's I had like so the biggest crush on her. Until she <laughs> I know who Nick doesn't, Jonas. right? And I was like, "Why did you choose Nick Same. Jonas?" <laughs> I know, pick me, Priyanka. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, yes. Let's get to the topic at hand. For starting out, so basically, how did you start out uh, with your own blog? Did you start with a podcast? Just basically, how did you start out? I actually started out with a blog, mm. and uh, that was when I was like. Oh man, maybe I was like 14 or 15. Whoa. And I started the blog because I uh, wanted to work for Rolling Stone. Like right when I was at that age, I knew. I was like, it's Rolling Stone. I want to work for them because I started reading. Yeah. 
and it was so funny because i wrote the blog for like i think it was 7 or 8 years and uh, i actually wrote to wrote into rolling stone india i asked them for an internship and they were like i was like 16 at this point they were like honey you're too young we only take like college students mm-hmm. so then i was like ah oh, okay i'll try again in a couple of years and uh, when i graduated from college i started working in uh, pr and i used to do a lot of celebrity pr and okay. at that point in time like i wasn't happy i didn't love it or anything oh, and okay. so i was <laughs> i was looking for other stuff and um, the funniest thing happened my dad like ran into the editor of rolling stone at some jazz event or something Whoa. and um he said oh check out my daughter's blog and he gave him the link of the blog even though it hadn't been active in like quite a while oh, wow. and because i had started that blog rolling stone emailed me and said like do you want to join wow yeah that is a story wow wow like i couldn't believe what was happening like i was That's just staring at that email <laughs> like yeah <laughs> how did you know that it was always rolling stone that you wanted to work for I was I used to read Rolling Stone since I was like 12 or 13 like mm. especially because like Rolling Stone India launched in 2008 and it was quite popular because I've always my household like we're all music lovers we're all very aware of like you know pop culture and things like that uh everyone has a different taste in music so they just it just influences you you know like as you grow up So I think um I think Makes my mum yeah she brought home like Rolling Stone and like I was always aware of the magazine but then I started reading it like properly when I was like you know around 12 or 13 and then mm. I really sort of uh fell in love with their style of writing like okay. their you know it's like a very edgy cool immersive world where you sort of dive into that moment with the artist mm. so I really loved that and I I was like man like this is what i want to do you know like i mm. want to okay. tell the artist story and so i knew then that like rolling stone's particular style was a good fit for me were uh, were there any journalists or that inspired you before then maybe in rolling stone or oh yeah at rolling stone the one of my favorite journalists is uh, brian hyatt he okay. is uh, a senior writer with rolling stone us and he has i think done over like 50 cover stories or something like that oh, wow. i don't know i don't know the exact number but uh, a lot of his pieces are the ones i end up you know like uh, getting totally lost in because mm. the way he writes is um, is as though you're sitting with him and like experiencing the entire thing that's cool and it's so much fun i love his way of writing he did this amazing um, interview with paris jackson in 2015 mm-hmm. or no yeah 20 2016 or something like that and it was like a cover piece for rolling stone like you can totally find it and uh, i'll never forget like what a roller coaster ride that interview was even though oh, wow. like i was reading it after joining rolling stone i was just like like this is why <laughs> i work here <laughs> oh, that's dope you definitely see your passion oh absolutely like i just like that's one of the writers who's really inspired like my uh, way of writing as well mm-hmm. so yeah but like even in our indian team there's an incredible writer senior writer called anurag mm-hmm. uh, uh, anurag tagar and he has been like my mentor mm. so i love his um way of like research and how he keeps an open mind because no matter what genre of music it is because he's a metalhead no, but okay. like if i ask him to listen to like k-pop or something he'll do it no judgment and he has such a hmm. positive outlook so i feel like um that's something i aspire to also hone like in life you know mm. i like that that's so interesting um 
in terms of when you're writing for Rolling Stone India and you come onto the team and was it immediate that you were like, you know, I also know that I want to write about K-pop as well. Like I, I want to mm-hmm. take on this like K-pop sort mm-hmm. of lane as well. Or did you kind of have to like play along with like, okay, I'm going to write about this or write about this. And then, you know, maybe I want to write about K-pop. Was mm. there a lot of freedom, mm. you know, with, you know, choosing your, your lane, I guess. That's a really good question. I love that question. Initially when I joined, that was in 2016, K-pop wasn't really that big in India at all. Like it was barely a thing. And um, I got into K-pop like intensely in 2015. Like I knew about uh, Big Bang and G-Dragon. I've loved G-Dragon since 2012. But (laughs) I know, right? But um, I didn't really know a lot of other artists other than uh, Shiny, other than Mm, uh, G-Dragon and Shiny and Big Bang. And 2015, I really got into BTS and that opened up a path to other artists. So by the time I joined Rolling Stone, it was still a sort of new world K-pop, you know. So at first, I think like, nor was I thinking about covering K-pop in Rolling Stone and nor was Rolling Stone thinking about it either. Like it was something that we never thought of putting together. Mm -hmm. And um, it was only like like towards the end of the year and early 2017 where I was like, okay, like can maybe I can try, you know, because I really love K-pop and I want to write about it. And my team is pretty amazing. My bosses are fantastic. They never will say, no, you can't write about that. You know, mm-hmm. they're okay. uh, very open. open. I think that's yeah. a great thing. Yeah. About Rolling Stone. Like everyone's very open to like brainstorming ideas and we'll be like, okay, try it and see if it works. Like, what is the audience's reaction? Like, there's no harm in giving things a shot. Mm. So they told me like, you know, why don't you do like a listicle style piece or something and see what happens, you know, listicle style is like 10 artists you need to know, you know, that sort of piece. So I very like, I was so nervous and I did that piece and I put it out and it did like, okay, on online. Mm, And then I thought like, uh, like maybe I should talk to an artist. So I thought like, who is, because India is a little bit difficult to break into, right? Like, I mean, there needs to be an artist, like Indian audiences will be interested in, I think more of something like R&B or hip hop rather than mm-hmm. K-pop, especially mm-hmm. at that point of time. Yeah. So I was like, who is like a good blend of the two things? So I figured it was Dean. Dean oh, was, nice. yeah, perfect mm. for this market. Right. <laughs> and he was like, what, he is one of my all time favorite artists. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to talk to this man. And I reached <laughs> out and he said, yes, which was like, I almost fainted, but, nice. uh, <laughs> but we did the interview and I put it out and I was so nervous. And it was like, a lot of people were really surprised. Like, why is Rolling Stone India talking to Dean? Mm-hmm. But uh, people were like, Right, like it's like such a weird, like you don't put the two together, mm. but uh, we got some good um, reactions, not only from fans, but also from audiences who didn't know anything about Korean music. Oh, interesting, yeah. And um, they were like, oh, okay, so I never thought this was a thing, like that there was, like Korean music, there was more to it other than Gangnam Just, Style. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so then like uh, my boss was like, let's focus on more interviews, see if you can get more, you know, it wasn't really like a serious, like, oh, let's hunt. Mm, And then I was like, okay, so I'm going to go for Big Fish. I'm going to go for BTS. So I was like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try real hard. And I started like hunting for months. Like it took like three or four months or even I think six months until I even got a contact with uh, their PR team. Oh my And oh man, it's like crazy. And this was still 2017. They weren't even like 
the they titans they are now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was crazy, but and they accepted the request, which like had me like shaking. And uh, once we did that interview, uh, like I spoke to RM, and when we released that, the it was a total surprise. I think to everybody involved, like to Big mm-hmm. Hit, to us, bet, to the yeah. audience, our website totally crashed because oh, of the snap. traffic. Yeah, he's with that strong back then too. <laughs> so strong, and it was Indian Army. It wasn't like oh, that's traffic crazy. from the US, or it wasn't traffic from Korea. It was Indian. All of it. It crashed our website. We kept having our IT team try to fix it, and it kept crashing again. Mm. Like no matter how much we increased the like bandwidth of the website, oh my it God. would still crash for like two days. We kept seeing this. So then we were like, yeah, we need to cover K-pop as a like. Full-time sure. thing. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's nice. Wow. Dang. Went for the big fish and it paid off. Oh, you know, right? I did not <laughs> ever dream that, first of all, that they would say yes or that it would get that kind of reaction in my country. Yeah. 2017? Right? 2017. Mm. What I think is interesting, you know, and I guess a lot of people have referred to this in K-pop, is like, um, I think it's KBS's Exciting India series that they did, they did with... Um, oh, man. Suho, you know, Minho. But mostly SM artists and mm-hmm. oh, oh, Infinite, yeah. Right, right. Like, since then, like, things have, like, skyrocketed in, in, in India. Mm-hmm. And I believe you wrote an article once that was talking about, like, you know, there are a lot of Indian K-pop fans that are out there and that just really would love to have the groups come through. But I think you wrote an article mm. where you were talking about pretty much, like, the pros and cons. Like, yes, there are so many, there are so many fans, but there's another reason behind why it's a little complicated to come because of the currencies and yes. how that kind of matches yes. up. Like the, they would, the K-pop labels themselves would probably go in for a loss if they did come because of the currencies and how it matches up. If I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. 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 I okay. uh, did a piece about, I think it was called the problems of the problem with uh, K-pop live shows in India. Uh-huh. And uh, this was like after the card concert, I, uh, when they had come and mm. it did not do as well as i was expecting it to do mm. so that's why like i felt like i had to write about it because i think india is a very complex market that for any artist to get into mm. because wow. of our um currency like you said i think what happens is the artists and their companies get very surprised that you cannot charge like a hundred dollars so difficult because in india you can't do that because like one dollar is 80 rupees which is a mm-hmm. lot of money in india so you it, like people will not want to pay that much um for like every artist because like you, even if it's not bts or if it's another artist it'll be like 200 like dollars maybe a ticket or something like that mm-hmm. so it's like really really tough i think for, for a lot of parents as well as uh, like kids to like justify like going to a show especially if it's not their favorite artist coming like if it's suppose it's not bts coming but it's somebody else i don't know if like army would like be like i don't know if i have that much money i'd rather save my money for bts right because mm-hmm. it's like that kind of situation wow um also like concert culture in india itself is a very like in new concept to the general public because um it's just now becoming like something that a lot of the mainstream public do but mm. like for s- several years it was only like this you know like concerts and stuff weren't for everybody because everyone was like it's too fancy or like it's like it, international yeah. artists aren't our thing 
but um, over time, like concert culture has increased, and as the audience increases, the price will go down because yeah. they'll be able to like you know spread out the cost and okay. make money. Yeah. Right. But if it is um, like an artist who is you know maybe not someone with a very big fan following in the country, yeah. it chances are the tickets will be more pricey because there'll wow. be fewer fans. Mm. And that automatically is like this thing that will lead to fans not wanting, not being able to rather spend that much money, because also the K-pop fans are very young. Yeah. I mean, there's only a couple of us, right, who are like in our twenties or older who have mm-hmm. jobs, and even then, like I couldn't fly to Delhi to see Card at that point in time because I was in Mumbai, and it's really expensive to like fly to another city. And oh, uh, wow. India is massive, yeah. Right. So like you can't. <laughs> You can't be like, oh, they're coming to India, so that does not necessarily mean all the fans will be able to attend that show because mm-hmm. travel, boarding, like lodging, all of that, and uh, parents also. If the kids are young, they'll be like, oh, we don't want you traveling to another city for a concert. Like, are you crazy? Like, what are you talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. It's a very desi parent thing. Like, they'll be like, they won't even let us have sleepovers. So I don't think it's like something That's that uh, flying to another city for a concert mm. is like. Something that a parent would be like, "Are you nuts or something?" Nah, like, yeah, and yeah. I think, like you mentioned, there won't be a lot of loss to the artist, but they and the company. It'll be a loss for the sponsors who oh, pay same. for the yeah artists to come in, because uh, we saw this like with uh, Justin Bieber who came to India in 2016. The company that brought him, they were like, "We were prepared for this loss," because even though he. Sold out. It was sixty-five thousand people sold out the show. Yeah, they didn't recover the cost of the concert even after oh, that. Oh wow! Because wow. they had to bring down the cost of the ticket. So Justin Bieber was definitely paid his artist fee, right? All yeah. of that was taken care of. So artists will not be suffering, but it'll be the sponsors who have brought the artists down and paid for so like the venue, ground costs, and everything. They will have to, yeah, they'll have to like make a sacrifice. So with that, all that in mind, the Eric Nam, what he did with Rolling Stone India, I believe he did like a couple of like reactions to Indian art- artists. Yeah. Were you behind like the production of that as well? Yes, I produced. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay, and he was not in India at the time. He was in. No, no. Okay. Oh, so it was remotely. It was remotely. So most of the videos you see are all like with the K-pop stars are remotely filmed. Uh, I I was only with 80s in the like 80s try Indian snacks video like that was the only time I was with them when okay. they filmed something, but otherwise all the videos you see are filmed by the artists and sent in to us and my team and I edit. Okay. Okay. Wow. So you're so with that all that in mind, you know, with the possibility of maybe these acts possibly never being able to come in, knowing that they might wow. come in at a loss, or the obviously the promoter comes in at a loss. How mm-hmm. do you pitch? You know, is it just basically like let's engage your Indian fans? Like, although they may never see you, like this is how this is one of the ways you can engage them directly yeah. through this Rolling Stone India um, outlet. I guess is that kind of how you yeah. try to you know when when you are pitching to those different artists. That's a big part of it. That's okay. like I mm. think for me as well personally. Like I don't know if I'll ever see these artists right unless like I go to Seoul or something. Or if I travel to another country, like I did to see uh, both G Drag and BTS, well, and GOT7, like I had to travel to other countries to see them. Mm-hmm. So, and not a lot of fans like won't have that privilege, like ever in their lives. 
so like that's what i try to explain to the teams behind mm. the artists where i'll be like you know like please understand that you know you're not looking at india as a market to come and tour in but you still have fans here mm-hmm. who yeah. will probably never get to experience what the us fans experienced and the european mm-hmm. fans experience or even japanese fans you know so mm-hmm. like they'll never they'll never see like gd up in front of them like that's never going to happen so i was yes, like sir. at least it's really sad like i think about it and like meaning that's another reason why i do what i do because i'm like maybe there's a way to bridge artists and their fans in some way because i feel the artists also want it you know they really do they care so they want to also like maybe speak to their fans create some content so that's like a big way of like convincing the team the pr teams and the labels that you know like okay you can't come here but like just think about maybe doing a video or doing an interview with rolling stone mm-hmm. india because we can be your window into this like market and yeah, this exactly. world that's interesting i always thought about like mm-hmm. when you're pitching yourself like I thought it was like always going in with like the the story in mind, like the angle that you wanted to go with. But like, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it's like different for each artist. But it's just interesting, like you always like it's also reminding them of of that fact as well, which is important. Yeah, you yeah. definitely like they'll ask you like, okay, like what kind of story do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Usually they'll ask for like examples of stuff you've written before. Mm-hmm. So then like I just send like you know like what I'm planning for that particular artist. Like I'll send examples of that. Like if I'm I did an interview with Grey which was really in depth which really surprised mm-hmm. the hell out of AOMG. They were like, "Oh, we weren't expecting this result, you know." <laughs> so then like now we have that uh, so I was like if I want to let's say if I want to speak to Jay Park, I'll be like, "Oh, you remember what I did with uh, Grey, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to do something similar." So in that sense they're like ah okay okay so they'll be more willing to maybe once they understand like the format right they'll be more willing to um, like give you the artist time and usually mm. they will ask for examples like if i have like the reaction series they'll be like okay who else has been on it mm. can you send us like a link so yeah. we can check it out and stuff mm-hmm. it's pretty standard like they'll just yeah. like do their research i guess how many people have you actually interviewed if you were to estimate oh <laughs> Like estimate number, like out <laughs> the top of your number head. Estimate number is so difficult because I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, I've been doing this. It's almost five years at Rolling Stone. Then I was on and off doing internships. Three hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say three hundred, maybe four hundred. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so with those three hundred or four hundred, like, how much research do you like? do before interviewing the artist because <laughs> uh, it looks it looks like you have to do a lot especially yeah. maybe if you're not known but obviously you get to know them by researching them but yeah how much yeah. do you put into that really depends on the situation i would say mm. because like uh, something that happens a lot if is if i'm at a music festival and you have like a press junket sort of like thing happening right where they'll call all the press in at some particular point and they'll be like okay so like this artist that you want to speak to is busy why did you talk to this guy and i'm like i don't know who this is i have no idea who this is <laughs> exactly. and like literally um this happened where there was this producer who i had never heard of and they um told me like can you just speak to him because there's no one talking to him he's just sitting there awkwardly so just do a quick interview So my cameraman and I were like shit what do we do? I had no <laughs> idea who he was. And I'm like okay so I used my phone there was barely any network and I googled this guy like literally while walking to where he was sitting. Wow. And then I saw a picture of him with um like what looked like his daughter. 
so then i was like okay like i got to be honest with him i'm just going to tell him straight up that i don't know much about him and that's a great way to do this because you have to if you're honest the artist will like probably educate you like yeah, okay great. some more information yeah yeah like and they'll they're always like if you tell them honestly like oh i want to know more about you they'll they'll tell you more about themselves so then i just like went up to him and i was like oh it's really nice to meet you you know like this is the first time i'm actually coming across your music this is the first time i'm seeing you and uh, then i was like is this your first time in india and he was like no it's my second time let me just start chatting and then i was like oh so you know i saw a picture like is that your daughter once i brought up the daughter the mm. way he opened up and he was so happy so like nice. it's, it was that was a matter of luck and he just like started spilling everything about like his album whatever like he just got so comfortable mm. but there we go, um, yeah if it's an artist where you have some advance warning like that is like ideal of course mm. because then you can sort of like dig deep into like it also depends how well you know the artist's work right like of course. for example like i know i like keep coming back to him but if i were to interview g dragon it would be i'm a lot more familiar with that like mm-hmm. his entire body of work so maybe the research would uh, take a little less time than maybe an artist who is someone i'm less familiar with but maybe mm-hmm. equally as big so i'll probably like spend a week completely like if it's an artist i don't know much about like it takes at least a week to cover like as many bases as i can and okay. um, especially check out like recent interviews they've done uh, maybe like other projects that they've got going on like you know on youtube or like mm-hmm. it, what else they've been in the news for and for then sure. like yeah and then you start digging further back like what else have they been part of and things like that and you use the wikipedia page as like a skeleton like a timeline you know what i mean yeah. and then you like check other sources and stuff like that and you build like a bank of information and questions that correspond to that bank at least that's how i do it okay so like oh, that's yeah so then i can you know even sometimes when i do the interview i'll like go along a certain timeline and be like okay so when you did that what was your mindset you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah but then i think like no matter what the best way is to just um, let the artist take the lead where mm-hmm. like if 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 you even know them or you don't know them uh, if you have done research or you've just been thrust into the entire like thing last minute is to be like you know like um, so tell me like how's your day going like um, how's like tell me a little bit more about you how did you get into music like these are like mm-hmm. you know like basic questions which will mm. start like just and you do it like we were talking about right jay like it was like conversation style yeah conversation and they relax and they open up and that's the best way to go about it so even if you are in a tough spot like you can you know make it work absolutely mm. have you ever been like nervous interviewing somebody all the time all the time all the time all the time and like but like over i think it's like this personality takes over you know when mm-hmm. i actually do the interview yeah. uh you talked about this as well like the persona that just sort of so i call mm-hmm. her the journalist and <laughs> she comes out <laughs> yeah whenever i need to and it's a life saver because like um i can't afford to freak out in front of an artist that i adore of course, yeah. right so you have to be professional and you're representing mm-hmm. an organization you're representing your country i have to oh. remain calm and mm. i cannot get like thrown out at any point who else would you want to interview mm-hmm. have you interviewed g dragon yet no it got cancelled uh, in 2017 it was i was supposed to and uh, that was when he was doing the motte tour right yeah yeah so um they i was the only 
like press he was going to meet in Bangkok because I was flying in for that show. Oh. So he was like, "Oh yeah, like you know, we'll do this interview." And then TOP got hospitalized at that point of time, oh, wow, like yeah. while we were scheduling all of this. So then, like YG sent like an apology and everything from G Dragon, saying like like he's so sorry, but at this point he will not be able to do any press. Yeah. And very understandable, very understandable. Yeah. So then I was like, "Oh yeah, not a problem. Like I totally get it." And then they were like, "But you know, he'd still like you to be a guest of the show." So like they were so sweet. He sent like VIP passes, which wow. was like crazy and so kind of him. Even though like you know like he wasn't gonna meet me or get much out of it. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's not like he was doing the press. But um, it was really nice of them to have me. I don't think we talked about this, but I think it's super important. Like those moments when you are like about to you know interview whoever it is, um, and you're getting nervous. Um, let's say Monster X. Like beforehand, do you do you ever I don't know? People do like breathing exercises, or they just try mm-hmm. to like calm themselves down. What's your process for like mentally preparing for let's say a an act that you really admire? I don't think I particularly have like any preparation because I don't know how it's like. Obviously, you don't know how it's gonna go. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like, I think like the simplest thing is like just breathe, right? Like before they actually connect, or before you walk into the room, or before they walk into the room. Like I take a couple of deep breaths, but other than that, like I think uh, before I don't do anything. It kicks in when I see the artist like immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's like a rush of like adrenaline also that like sort of comes in and like you know like just handles it, mm. and um, it's a it's it's honestly a a mind space you know that you sort of like like drift into at least for me mm. where it like it's, it just locks in and I don't I have so much faith in myself as a journalist then because I know like even if I run out of questions or things go like you know a little weird or badly or something I can fix that I can recover hope most of the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just by watching a lot of journalists over the mm. many years, by watching my team, how they handle things. I think my editors, especially if like something goes wrong, it's like a learning process, and it just and starts happening. Like you absorb all of that, and mm. like you know how to handle uh, disasters and how not to lose your cool and things like that. So it, um, but I feel like maybe other journalists would agree. Like it's just something that you know. You're born for, so mm-hmm. you don't maybe have a particular like freak out or something like it's just something that's innate. Maybe mm-hmm. other journalists will agree. I don't know. I have to ask actually, but that <laughs> at least for me it's like automatic, pretty much. Yeah. So you try really hard to at least you know like just keep a smile on your face and keep your voice steady, like no matter mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to show any shakiness in your voice. Right. Yeah, because sometimes it'll freak the artist out. I think you know, <laughs> like they'll just be like. <laughs> Don't notice Maybe, it, they'll be like, oh. what is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how do I handle this now? Mm. <laughs> Jay, I'm sure like you'll relate to that in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, on a video aspect for sure. Mm. I'm a little different. I feel like I have a little bit of advantage because they just check me out on YouTube and then they get my personality. But I feel yeah. like I I don't I try to be professional, but I've been in situations where some interviews or interviews were like awkward, and I have to like fix it obviously by with my energy. If you have a lot of time to talk to them, like of course that's the best. Like if you have like a very little amount of time to talk to them, you might not even break the ice properly, and they they'll just like not speak or open up as much as you want them to. They'll mm-hmm. they're always on their guard at first, but oh, if you yeah. have more time with them, yeah, right. You know, like if you have more time with them, then they'll like open up. Especially I think uh, where the press is concerned, they're so careful. 
like you know like saying something or doing something silly or something like that because the press can be brutal mm. so i think like uh, once maybe they even get to know you suppose it's your second or third time interviewing an artist by then it's like way better because it's granted you that second interview that itself means a lot you know and you're talking about conversationalism um um, I know that in K-pop, at least, there we I guess we all kind of know that um, a lot of the labels like to have the questions given to them in advance um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and I know some, certain journalists are like, like I'm not giving you my questions, but you know sometimes mm. you know if it's for a huge artist, you're like, oh, well, I'll give you the questions just to like, or I'll give you the talking points, I guess, is is mm-hmm. how that is. Is there is it similar to when you're interviewing Indian artists? Do the, a lot of the PR ask for questions in advance, or is this something that you found? And I guess you know Western artists probably might do the same thing. And um, mm-hmm. is that something that you allow to happen, um, whether you know you feel one way about it or not? Like offering your questions beforehand i don't like giving my question i think mm-hmm. most journalists like we yeah. don't like giving our questions in advance um <laughs> but it is something that uh, like will be asked if the artist is big whether they're indian or like international or whatever yeah. like you know they're gonna ask um although like i think even rolling stone in general like the company as a whole i don't think we are like very keen on giving our questions out but mm-hmm. if you have to for for a particular artist that you know is worth it mm-hmm. then sometimes it's just it's just something you got to do you know and i think like it's just something most uh, writers across the globe will be able to confirm um it's mm-hmm. not ideal but it needs to be done Mm. And the K-pop companies are especially, I think, in this sense, difficult because they don't want just talking points. They'll want the exact stuff. Um, they'll want like, th- then they'll like, you know, even sometimes cross out stuff saying you cannot ask this. Um, they'll be like, you cannot ask this artist about this. You cannot bring this up or we will like shut the interview down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they won't even let you speak to the artist. They'll be like, this can only be done over email because they want to have that much of a control over the entire mm-hmm. thing. That's the most annoying. Like that is so annoying because <laughs> then, like I just uh, because you need to see how the artist is reacting to something, and I think that's a big part of why that doesn't happen. Where they don't give you like a, a call or a video because if I ask a certain question and I see how the artist is reacting, I can write about that. Mm-hmm. Too. Like even mm-hmm. if they don't see anything, I can say like, oh, he or she looked uncomfortable. You know what I mean? So I guess they're like afraid of that too. So they don't want to have, they want, it's like minimal contact with the press, you know, like mm. especially where K-pop stars are concerned. Uh, Indian artists, I would say like uh, we have, as Rolling Stone India, we have a bit of a advantage because they, are, they trust us a lot more than they would okay. any other Indian publication. So mm. our questions are like, because we also get more time with the artists, we'll get exclusives because we are the leading music publication in the country. Like there's nobody mm. who can compare. So, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is like the name itself, uh, I think there's a certain trust factor that artists have immediately. Mm-hmm. So that really helps like a lot because they'll actually be like, okay, I, if I have like, you know, like eight hours of interview time, I want to give Rolling Stone as much time as possible, which yeah. is lovely. And um, they'll actually want to sit down and talk. You know, they won't like just do email or whatever. If it's like a bigger celebrity, like especially if it's uh, one of the Bollywood stars or like, you know, Bollywood producers or whatever, Mm -hmm. like anything connected to Bollywood or YouTube, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the massive YouTubers and stuff. There you might hit a couple of hurdles where they'll be like, you know, like, 
um, they'll be like, okay, you send us the questions. Can you like, you know, like send us your topics? What have you planned exactly? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like a very vigilant PR person, like standing in the corner while they're doing the interview. Mm-hmm. And I have been that very vigilant PR person <laughs> as well. So yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's generally i think if i was maybe with another publication in india i don't know how it would be you know like would there be i think like my uh, friends who are journalists in other publications sometimes don't get treated as well and it's like hmm. uh because they don't uh, maybe trust a lot of other papers as much okay. but um also certain journalists even if they're freelance they might get more time and leeway like there is an incredible um couple of indian journalists who have been in the scene for like a long time covering music right like they're like mm-hmm. at the shows the artists get to know them over the several years who are very senior to me like in in the indian mm-hmm. music industry so these guys might even get preference over rolling stone you know because they've just they just know the industry in and out i see so like yeah so that's another thing yeah but uh, it's definitely more difficult with the k-pop company Right. I you know um I I've heard I've seen a couple of times through tweets about journalists and their relationships with who the interviewee is and um mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of journalists who end up doing these great um profiles on, you know, I believe there was one that had a great relationship with like Kobe Bryant when he was still alive mm-hmm. and he they he was able to write this really great profile on him um because they'd built such a rapport with each other mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. the years um to the point where like Kobe would invite him over for dinner sometimes and I always wonder mm-hmm. like, you know, being a journalist like there always i guess i've heard that there has to be a line between like becoming a friend with this person that you're covering mm-hmm. and you know always keeping it professional like is that mm-hmm. always i wonder i feel like that's one of the biggest goals you could have or at least i would think or at least for myself if i were like a strict journalist like um is to be able to you know build a rapport and relationship with these other you know interviewees that i could be yeah. able to tell these amazing profiles on them and because mm-hmm. we're friends and they trust me but then at the same time like it's like well you're you're a journalist like you tell like, if you're friends with that person you're going to be biased towards whatever they have to say so mm-hmm. how, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on like maintaining those relationships with you know your interviewees yeah like i've seen a lot of people say like oh like you know if you're friends with an artist like you shouldn't be interviewing them or whatever Mm. I disagree with that highly. I mm. think it's like also depends on what kind of piece you're writing. I think that's like really really important. Um or what kind of writer you are because I think like I'm not really a reporter, I'm a features writer, so that gives me a bit of an advantage. It gives, allows me to get closer to the artist because I'm not like trying to like report on their actions or judge them. I'm telling their story. Mm-hmm. So it gets a little True. bit different. I know this and they know this like on the record versus off the record. Mm-hmm. So at that time everything that is happening for the interview is what will go into the story. And our relationship outside of that like is not going to go in like unless for I say sure. oh like I've known Holland for like a couple of years now. So if I say like you know I've known him for a few years mm-hmm. like that's what will maybe go in about our personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. But whatever we talk about that is the interview that is what will go into the piece that the audience finally reads mm-hmm. um i do think it definitely if you have a better relationship with the artist it also makes for better stories because mm-hmm. like you said they trust you more mm-hmm. they're more likely to like you know be they know what kind of writer you are and how you can handle a certain topic so maybe they'll be more comfortable maybe even talking about something like if i want to put them on the spot like about you know like 
something that they've done wrong or something that has been controversial or something mm-hmm. like that they might be more willing to talk to journalists who they're more comfortable with rather than someone who just come and like you know like confront them but then i feel like it's so different for every journalist and what you believe in hmm. because there'll be a lot of journalists who'll be like no like this is a line that you cannot cross like if you're a journalist you can't be friends with the artist mm. but uh, <laughs> i personally don't agree with that and i think that uh, but then it also depends on what kind of a uh, journalist you are because something that gets difficult is if you are like um, you know a critic if you're a music yeah. critic mm-hmm. and you have to review a friend's album yeah. that oh, is wow, not yeah. fun especially if the album is shite so <laughs> then you <laughs> to be honest you have to be honest and that can really like uh, hamper your like friendship i would mm-hmm. say like it won't hamper the content of the right if you're a good journalist it won't hamper your review like your friendship doesn't automatically mean that the album is fantastic you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. and you have to then write about it honestly but it might hamper your friendship and maybe some sure. some people might feel like might feel that you know they right. might be like okay like what if i write like something bad about this and my friend gets mad at me and then that relationship is gone so then they might be afraid of like writing a negative review i mm-hmm. guess those are like moments where um, it might get it might get problematic mm-hmm. but it then mm-hmm. really depends on uh, like how honest you are as a journalist oh yeah it's like mm-hmm. a fine line to to walk it is a fine line it's difficult yes. because avoid your friends album <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i've had a bad experience where like it was an indian artist and the album was terrible and i said so and uh, mm. it went got published everything and then like he just never spoke to me again oh so, i bet wow it wow. happens it happens so right. like i would say that is that then that friendship breaking up like really really hurt you know but uh, like that's what you risk i guess if you are mm-hmm. a critic especially my god you have social media right how important is social media to like you or journalists you think as a voice maybe do you think it's really important just going with today's modern times or i'd say very very important because um a like you sort of it's a great way to know what's happening with artists within fandoms what's the general ma- mindset going on conversations that are super interesting super enlightening there's so much you know like you see uh, people in the industry talking about on social media which mm-hmm. is so valuable fan information that you how else will you come across it like what fans are thinking and what the the, the questions they want answered like there's no other way to find out other than on social media you tell the fans to like email you but where do you do that social media so it's mm-hmm. like the best way to sort of like have a look at what is happening in the scene and stay current and stay informed um also like i think to build your own identity on social media is mm-hmm. extremely important because it will give you more of a um legitness so they'll mm-hmm. also do their research on who you are and you know like what kind of work you do mm-hmm. and if you have like a very like minimal social presence like or whatever they might be a little more hesitant you know hmm. to like speak to you yeah they might because they don't know who you are you know so i think they're they're just more likely to agree to interviews if you have a certain reputation of your own like mm. like you have like a standing on social media Makes not necessarily following but reputation you know also like i've gotten so many interviews by just dming an artist on social media like you won't believe like i'll just slide into the instagram dms and be like hey <laughs> do you want to like have a quick conversation and then they'll be like yeah and it's yeah. pretty 
pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like you will be surprised who all actually respond. Like it's so important because sometimes you don't find PR contacts for a lot of artists. Like especially you know like the hip hop and R and B guys in Korea sure. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really difficult to get a like proper contact. So if you just reach out to them, they'll like respond. And you so many like interviews and all have been set up that way. So I think it's Makes so sense. useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same thing with me too. That's how we set up with it. My face. If I know them personally, I just hit them a DM. I'm like, hey, you wanna go on this podcast? Something such and such. Take your <laughs> shot, and it happens. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No harm in asking. I'm trying to remember. I know you like took over the Rolling Stone India Instagram stories, Dre. Was it like it was like for a day of KCon, I believe? Was it like just kind of like showing what you were doing throughout the day, sort of thing? Uh, basically, yeah, and uh, who I was with and uh, what I've been doing. Yeah, basically. Mm, just a, okay. a little look into it because I guess people from India are curious. Uh, yeah. yeah, we don't have KCon, so. <laughs> well, do do you think a KCon would w- be able to you know work in India? As you were saying, there's a lot of logistical things that have to go on behind the scenes, but do you think enough mm-hmm. fans would really be able to travel or be able to find a way to travel to wherever it's hosted um, in India for it to be a success? It's very difficult to say because um, it. Like you, like I mentioned, it really depends on how the tickets and stuff are priced, and uh, but I feel it KCON is a good way because it will bring in a lot of different fandoms because it'll be different different mm-hmm. artists. So that might be a better way to uh, get a bigger crowd, you know. Because like even if you know like you're not if your ultimate artist isn't coming, you might still be like okay, I get one ticket and I can see like a bunch of them. So maybe that's something that will you know like encourage more people to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely, I think it's it should be tested out in India, like maybe at a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, because even we don't have enough data, like that's the okay. biggest problem right now. Because immediately a lot of Korean companies ask you for numbers, like how many people will attend this? How many people? What are examples before of the crowds that have attended? You know, like, and we don't have a steady like like number to supply them, like a steady chart or something yeah. like that. So few gigs, right? So I think like that would be a good uh, way to test the market and see like how many people show up. Like even if you just bring like it doesn't have to be a, like a massive group of artists, just bring maybe four, you know, mm-hmm. like okay. just to see what the reaction is and how many people show up. I think it's like a pretty like a test like, run. If it's, yeah, like a test run. And if you do it in uh, in the capital, if you do it in New Delhi, if you do it in Mumbai, which is like entertainment capital. Mm. Or if you do it in the northeast of India, which is the K-pop central. Why is that area the K-pop central? That's a story that's really fascinating because um, <laughs> the northeast of India is they're very cool people, and like way back in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands, there was like a disconnect from Bollywood in in one state. Even like uh, Bollywood was banned for a bit. But generally, they are, I think, quite disconnected from the film industries, like in India, which usually dominate the music scene here. Like Bollywood, like and you know, like in Tamil Nadu, Tollywood, like they dominate the music scene, film music, and the Northeast sort of distance themselves from that culture. So hmm. then, for them, like what was the other forms of entertainment they could consume? So like my northeast friends were telling me like they would like you know like pirate and sneak in um, you know copies of K dramas and like they would <laughs> illegally download K pop and that sort of like uh, blew up and influenced the culture over there. So they are mm. actually 
uh, I think in terms of fashion sense and stuff like that, it's like very similar to Korean Korean culture, you know. Interesting. So like because past twenty years they've grown up consuming that that mm-hmm. as their majority like of entertainment. So they are super. They've they are way ahead of us like the rest of India when it comes to being familiar with K-pop and mm. uh, standing artists and things like that. So that's why there's a larger number of fans in that region, and a lot of K-pop artists, if they come here, they'll most likely include the Northeast on their uh, set list. Mm. It's mm. I, I would say it's a must if you come to India. Like you should do a tour of like maybe one major city and one city in the Northeast of India because that's a guaranteed audience of at least two thousand two thousand five hundred people at your show. I think they also said it like they mentioned that even like the exciting India thing, like yeah, like the Northeastern part, it's like very popular there, which is yes. so interesting. For journalists, I feel like, or anyone that writes has writer's block. Um, mm. What other unique challenges have you faced with K-pop as a journalist? I think like the biggest thing right now is being a journalist in India, because there is a lot of uh, there is some well, some racism. There is uh, hesitance to engage with India. I have been uh, there's been so many instances where like my peers who are in Western countries will get interviews with the same artists that I've requested interviews from and I'll not be included at all, you know? Like I'll be I'll be told things like, or oh, you know, they don't have time in their schedule. And even though Rolling Stone India's digital footprint will be much larger than certain publications, like they won't set up interviews with us. Like I'll see like there's certain Western publications have a smaller footprint than we do and they'll get interviews, but we won't. And it's very much, and sometimes you get told straight up like, oh, we're not really interested in uh, promoting in India right now. So that's like really difficult uh, to hear. There've been so many times where like, I've seen where I've reached out to artists for years, literally for years, and I've not gotten an interview. Like, and been in communication with the company, asked multiple times, and I'm always told they don't have time in their schedule. And I'll see them doing multiple interviews with MTV in that same cycle. Like, it's just, I really want to spill the beans on these companies, but I don't want to get blacklisted. So, yeah, but there's major companies, major companies. So that's very difficult to deal with. Like, I have a, like, maybe one or two other friends in India who are also making a name now as K-pop journalists. Mm. And they are facing the same issues. That's when I knew that it was like an Indian thing. Because one of them is like uh, freelance. So she has... When she pitches for like um, publications outside, they're more likely to give her an interview. If she pitches for an Indian publication, they'll be like, nah. Because like there've been nights where I've like literally cried about it because mm. I'll see all journalists wow. who I'm friends with around the world, they are getting interviews with artists that I have not gotten for years. Ignoring India right now is a big mistake because right now is when the market is it's it's gonna blow up very very soon because India is getting stuff like charts and all of that is like happening because we don't have like proper charts you know like an official india chart so i think that's another reason why they ignore us and we only got spotify like last year right (laughs) right. yeah so i think like they would just see india as this like and this is because i've been to korea and i've had so many meetings with companies and artists i've got gathered like this like um this consensus where everyone has this idea of India as like, you know, the land of Taj Mahal where people dance to Bollywood and don't really know who we are. And I'm like, oh, I mean, yes, but also. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yes, we are the land of song and dance and the Taj Mahal. 
but uh, we are also a land that really loves k-pop and wants mm-hmm. artists here like there's so much variety like it's a billion people like you know like come yeah. on i met plt it was so funny mm-hmm. when oh, wow. i told i was telling them my brother like he doesn't know much about k-pop or anything he is this kind of person who will uh, do deep dives into like soundcloud and like uh spotify's oh. recommended and stuff and he'll find yeah. like really cool artists you know like from around the world mm-hmm. and he one day was listening to one of june's songs and i'm just walking past the room and i'm like what what and then he's like do you know this artist and i was like how do you know this artist and then he's like no like all my friends in college are listening to like this guy now mm. what yeah i was like what are you what are you talking about i was like please tell me more about this and then he's like yeah like sometimes you know like this will be playing on campus like when i'm walking past a group of people and it's the r&b guys who are like on the rise here and it'll all happen mm. organically through soundcloud and stuff and yeah. when i was like explaining this to plt they were just like mind blown they were like yeah like people listen to us in india and i was like yeah like see like there's way more of an audience than you think there is there's way more of an audience than i think there is like i don't know going there and having these meetings with these labels and artists is a big way of changing the mindset i'm very curious to know who those the companies are because mm-hmm. that just makes me so angry that must be so frustrating it's so frustrating for 3 years a company has been just telling me no i'm not going to stop bothering them like i want that interview it will come when the time is most right like it's at that point where like mm. uh, I think a lot of us who are in India like as journalists it's uh, we will fight when you see how much like our peers from outside the country are getting these exclusives and opportunities it's like we want to make that happen for India as well but also make it a destination eventually for touring and that can only happen if there's more media coverage and which spreads out right and like educates the rest of the country to make new fans and a lot of the companies i think don't understand that like they'll just be like um what's the point of doing this interview if i don't have fans there and i'm like but you need to make fans here so do this interview right so <laughs> <laughs> well i hope that you know over time that those particular companies or company will For eventually sure. allow you to do like the greatest profile on all of their artists. This is a important question I feel for our listeners. So, what advice would you give to new journalists that are coming up in like future journalism? I would say don't give up because you are going to get a lot of rejections before you get a yes. You will send out 50 emails, two will agree like will agree to speak to you. So like don't let that get you down. it's not a reflection of your skills it's like a lot of the time there are a lot of things you can't control so i feel like if you keep trying and you keep practicing and you keep building your repertoire slowly like you know things will happen so don't like see that like, this not worked out and then just back out because that's not how journalism works you need to try if you want an answer to a certain question you need to keep asking for an interview with that artist there's also some really good advice that i got from uh, a friend of mine who said like which is advice that he got from someone and i will always pass this on is always just show up like if it's like an event if it's an interview mm-hmm. if it's a podcast like this or whatever it is start that conversation you know like be there like you'll be surprised how many people don't show up to things or they don't or they you know reject things or whatever yeah. and then like the friends you can make the contacts you can make mm-hmm. the conversations you can have 
like are just priceless yeah so say yes and never 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 give up and always record your interviews on like two devices <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's nice yeah that's that is a very good yeah. bit of advice <laughs> for sure oh. yeah well, thank you, Riddy, for you know thank talking you. with us, giving us your insight it's on good. everything. Yes, this is really good. Oh, no, thank you so much for having Learned me. So much. It was like a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to work with you guys. Yeah. Can you tell people where they can find you, um, you know, your work, and uh, where they can find you on social media? Yeah, uh, you can find my work on RollingStoneIndia.com. Mm -hmm. So you can like search for Rolling Stone India. Our website's all there. You'll find it. Mm -hmm. You can also find uh, me on social media at This Is Ribs. Uh, Rids R I D Z. Yeah, all my work. Like I'll be tweeting. Like if you love K-pop, just come. Let's talk. Let's have <laughs> a lot of fun. Always up for it. But yeah, uh, yeah and Rolling Stones handles Rolling Stone I N. I gotta promote the mothership. You know. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Don't just go for our U S team. Like pay, give us some love too. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely make sure to check out Rolling Stone India. I love your your op eds that you've done um, before. So, oh, thank you so um, much. Your deep dives thank and you. so uh, yeah, but thank you so much for doing this today on yes. In My Feels. We'll sign off. So I'm Emily. I'm JRE. And I'm Riddhi. Thank you guys for listening to In My Feels, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>